0: This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue on in James with Let Him Ask God, Temptation's Path, The Implanted Word, No Partiality, and The Royal Law. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at the thewordendoors.org or your favorite podcast provider.
1: has a from 2 Kings chapter 5 Naaman commander of the army of the king of Syria was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria he was a mighty man of valor but he was a leper now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife she said to her mistress Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told the Lord, his Lord, thus. And so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you Naaman my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God, to kill and to make alive, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came to his, with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to heal me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farper the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father... It is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? He has actually said to you, Wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. O Lord, have mercy on us. In many and various ways, God has spoken to his people of old by his prophets. And
2: now, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son.
0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Naaman, it says, was a great man before his master and highly respected. That's because, as the passage relates, through Naaman the Lord had given deliverance to Syria. But the man had leprosy, despite all his wealth, trappings, and accomplishments. That's often how it is for those deemed high and mighty in this world. Naaman proved to be a sinner, a weak man, and in need of God's grace and salvation, even though on the surface of things, it did not seem so at first, but this would not turn out to be. One of the things about this passage is the contrast between the physical trappings of power and the lowly in this world, or even between those who have and those who are of no account. Beside Naaman, with his horses and chariots, his ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing, is set a young girl from Israel who had been taken captive sometime earlier by one of the raids mounted against Israel by Aram. She was waiting upon Naaman the Syrian's wife. One day, whilst serving her mistress and powerful husband, she observed, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Truer words were never spoken, and this from an almost complete non-entity. One thinks of Jesus' statement to the Pharisees following his triumphal entry, from out of the lips of children and nursing infants thou hast ordained praise. But the observation hit home, for Naaman went in and told his lord, the king of Syria, thus and so the girl spoke from the land of Israel, and his master accordingly prepared a letter for the king of Israel, in other words, it went to the highest level for it was part of the Lord's unfolding plan. In my opinion, the emphasis should rest here not so much upon effective evangelistic techniques as the carrying out of the second petition of the Lord's Prayer. The kingdom of God certainly comes by itself without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it might come unto us also. It had come to that anonymous Israeli slave girl who simply, as it were, made a passing observation, which the Lord blessed in his way and time. Also fulfilled was the psalmist's statement that he would speak thy testimonies before kings and not be ashamed. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved my hands also will I lift up to thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes." Psalm 119, 46. Regarding the letter to the Syrian king, well, that too brought the things of this world into contact with God's heavenly kingdom. The letter said, simply enough, When this reaches you, know that I have sent you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy." Together with the king's ransom described in verse 5b, first, the Israelite king's response, which seems a bit extreme from an outsider's perspective. He tore his clothes, then said, "'Am I God?' to kill and make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy, only consider and see that he is picking a quarrel with me. Matters were tense between Israel and Syria in those days. King Joram concluded that the entire incident was an attempt by Ben-Hadad to create a pretext for a declaration of war. And what about the king's ransom the talents of silver, the shekels of gold, and the ten changes of costly attire. Well, everyone knew that a cure to leprosy was an expensive affair requiring costly payments, especially for so important a personage as Naaman the Syrian seemed to be. So it was an attempt to buy God off, I give so that you give, was the pagan formula expressed in the days of Caesar Augustus. Such is the spirit of paganism then as now. From the days of Naaman to our own day, the attempt at self-payment and self-justification was and still is there. Finally, the matter reached the ears of Elisha, the man of God, as he is designated in 5.8, let him come to see Elisha, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So onward came Naaman with his horses and his chariots and stood at the very door of what would have been Elisha's parsonage Go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times, Elisha said, and you will be clean. This time it's Naaman's turn to get angry for all the reasons given in the text. He thought this prophet should come out to him and call on Yahweh his God, wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. What had the dirty, stinking Jordan in common with the pure and limpid waters of Damascus, the Abana, and Farpar? Could he not wash in them and be clean? So he goes away in a huff, until once again the likewise anonymous servants encourage him to do as the prophet commanded. So with what one imagines, was great reluctance and more than a touch of petulance. Naaman came down from his lofty perch atop the horses and chariots of Syria and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. The end of our lection is that that his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he became clean. Now the connection a holy baptism is not difficult to make, although astonishingly no mention of baptism in connection to this passage is ever made in the small catechism, the Book of Concord, Walter's Law and Gospel, Pieper's Dogmatics, nor even the first 55 volumes of Luther that I own. I know because I checked them all out. But the connection to holy baptism was clearly made by our own Dr. Jeffrey Pulse in a sermon of about two weeks ago, you may remember it, when Dean Grimm tried to talk me out of preaching on this passage today because it was already taken. Nothing doing. There is more and better gospel material here than 10,000 sermons could ever do justice to, as I think you'll agree. For if the passage is not actually connected with the sacrament of holy baptism, as I'm sure some doctrinal purists could probably cavil, it certainly corresponds as a type to what holy baptism does for us sinner saints each and every day, namely, that it cleans us, restores us like the flesh of a little child, as this passage says, and makes one think of Jesus' statement that unless one enters the kingdom as a little child, one shall not enter it at all. Mere children and recent converts may be a bit rough around the edges, as Naaman clearly was, but they are secure in their baptisms into Christ Jesus, as one may be. One wonders whatever happened to old Naaman following his healing and restoration. Well, he had to put up with Gehazi, one of Elisha's feckless servants, who tried to obtain by unscrupulous means the riches that his master Elisha had turned down. The last thing we see of Naaman is that he wanted to take two mules' loads of earth to Syria that he might not make sacrifice to any other god but Yahweh. He was, in other words, a genuine convert to the Lord, although he speaks, puzzlingly, of accompanying his lord, the Syrian king, into the house of Rimmon, a Syrian storm god, to worship there. Nonetheless, Elisha dismisses him in peace with a benediction befitting a true pre-Christ Christian. Nor do we know whatever happened to that little Israeli slave girl Presumably, she continued to serve her master and mistress as before and persist in her Yahwistic faith. Both slave girl, Naaman, and their successive families are lost in the mists of time. Further, Elisha models for us what it means to be a man of integrity, that is, not to truckle under when pushy pagans expect special favors from the clergy by virtue of their riches and influence in this world. A struggling seminary student with his heart and faith in the right place is of infinitely greater standing in God's sight headed for service in the holy ministry than even Patrick Mahomes in all his glory. For you are to serve a greater master than he, namely, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen or can see, to whom be the honored power forever, amen and the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.
1: In our prayers today, we remember you, Dr. Nordling, and your family as you mourn the death of your mother, Charlotte. We remember seminarian Mark Langston's grandfather, Reverend Harvey Keatsman, as he undergoes surgery today. We remember those who serve in our country's armed forces, especially Casey Hosier, Alan Hosier, Alexander Mundorf, Nicholas Arias, Micah Lyle, and Nathaniel Dijek. We also remember the chaplains who served those in our armed forces, especially Raymond Ayers, Saul Groskoff, Carl Gibbs, Ryan Schnockey, Edward Wright, Eric Malmsten, Christopher Sutton, Matthew Mortensen, Mark Seaman, Isaac Wirtz, and Gregory Johns. Let us pray. O God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirm the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. And in the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs with the King in his glory and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Almighty God, Father in heaven, you command us to call upon you in every time of need. Grant comfort to the Nordling family during this time as they mourn the death of Charlotte. Give strength to all who suffer from physical infirmities including Harvey as he prepares to undergo surgery through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord God of hosts, stretch forth your mighty, almighty arm to strengthen and protect those who serve in the armed forces of our country. Support them in times of war and in times of peace. Keep them from all evil, giving them courage and loyalty. Grant that in all things they may serve with integrity and with honor, Give your continual blessing to the chaplains who minister to them. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by your governance, may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Lord Almighty bless us and direct our days and our deeds in His peace.